Hello, this is Toby Hayes Oaks, who's round, and in the jungle, the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps tonight. Probably gets more sleep than he would at a holiday in anyway. Okay, we're in a holiday inn, and there's a sleeping child, but uh, we're going to do this interview anyway, so I'm going to ask uh, my friend who's with me to tell me who he is and why I'm talking to him about Doctor Who. My name is Colin Spawn, and I'm here in uh, in Liverpool um, with with Toby um, for a Doctor Who convention. And it's, the, it's about the third or fourth one we've done together. It is, yeah. I think the first, well, the first time we met was, I think, was, uh, was in the States, wasn't it? In Florida. I think that was right. the first time that we... But okay. you've you've very much embraced the uh, the whole circuit and the whole thing. Yeah, it's it's been quite amazing, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this year alone, it's um, I'm in Chicago and Atlanta, um, and then towards the end of the year, um, I'm off to Miami to do the 50th anniversary cruise, and they stick us on a boat and cruise us around the Caribbean for six or six or eight days. Which is lovely, but unlike being at a convention on dry land, you can't escape. No, I can't escape, <laughs> no. So I've not done it before, but Fraser Hines, who, who's on the cruise with me, as well as Sylvester McCoy, um, they know the tricks. I mean, we might be able to hide somewhere, like in, maybe in the engine room or something, so they can't get us. <clears throat> and, um, <coughs> and, of course, part of um, uh, the cachet that you have is that you are in that very rare group of actors that have done classic Doctor Who and new Doctor Who. Yeah, but not so rare now. I mean, there are a, a few more coming through that have done the classic and... Um, and yeah, the uh, swines. I know, the swines, <laughs> damn things. Um, but, yeah, um, yeah, it's, I've seen the minority, I think, you know, uh, that done the both. But, uh, yeah, it's great, love it. And and to to get that accolade, we'll start we'll start backwards. You you mm-hmm. got to the part of Mr. Crane in uh, the Rise of the Cybermen and the Age of Steel, and um, and from what I understand, it was actually originally a bit of a smaller part, and they liked what you did, so beefed it up. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not sure. But was it that one, or was the <clears throat> excuse me, or was it the uh, yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, apparently so. Yes, the, yeah, um, it was still going to be Mr. Crane, but I think they sort of. Built the as you say, built the character up and, and, and gave him a lot more to do. And, uh, and you did get so nice that you got to dance to the Lion Sleeps tonight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, someone actually, I did a convention in um, somewhere in, um, um, I can't remember, up north somewhere. Um, oh, we're up north now, aren't we? Yeah. Um, somewhere else up north. And um, someone actually gave me uh, a copy of that particular song, yeah, um, by Boney M. <laughs> <laughs> And um, both of your um, who's were directed by Graham Harper, yep. so you and he go back a long way. I think. We we do. We go back to um, the days of drama school, the Italia Conti Stage School, <clears throat> and uh, you know, Graham and I were, were classmates there. And uh, he was a good actor, Graham, very good actor, and um, worked a lot as a as a child actor, Graham. And um, but then at I'm not sure what age he told me he was about eighteen or nineteen, maybe I think it was, or slightly later. He, decided he would go, you know, behind the camera and, you know, give up this wonderful life in front of the camera. Which, as you've alluded to, you started uh, way back, so you started acting at what age? I was at the Italian Conti School at the, about the age of 11. Um, and then in those days, the, 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 the Conti School was an agent also for the, the kids that were training there. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Not the older 
not was it? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and it, it, you, if there were uh, the BBC or somebody wanted uh, kids for playing in the street or a film, you know, so they would go to a stage school. At least the kids got some sort of idea of what to do on on a, on a set or something. And I did that for about a year, um, playing Burton's in things and a couple of TV commercials for Bonio. My dog loves Bonio, which was a, in those days it was a like a, a dog food, and um, it was a photographic campaign. Did that, my little knobbly knees and pair of shorts. I looked lovely. Um, but then the uh, what happened then was that uh, the uh, the BBC decided to do a thirteen part adaptation of Great Expectations, and um, they were looking for a, a young pip to do about four the first four three or four episodes. And I went along with 25 million others from all other drama schools and got whittled down. Eventually I, I, I picked up the part. So, And that was the, my, my first major role. And I then went on to do quite a few of the uh, Sunday afternoon classics. Was the, the, the Great Expectations was on in the afternoon, on Sunday afternoons. I then I did um, The Secret Garden and um, played Dickon in The Secret Garden, uh, Peter the Goatherd in Heidi. Um, then I did a 14, 13-part series of Jennings at School, um, incidentally, the, the, the guy that played Jennings um, was uh, a drummer. He loved to play the drums. He was playing drums from a young age, and he was at uh, the Arts Educational Drama School. Um, but he was a great drummer, not such a good actor. Um, and he turned out to... He gave up acting, and he was the drummer for Jimi Hendrix. He was Mitch Mitchell. Ah. And he played Jennings. He was Jennings. Um, but that was great. That was great fun to do that. And then... Things just carried on from there, really. And is the transition from child actor to grown-up actor difficult? I, I suppose it, for, I, it, I, it depends, doesn't it, on, on who. Um, but it, it, it seemed to be pretty smooth for me. You know, I graduated from then, from children's things, to the Dixon Dot Green, Zed Cars, um, Softly Softly, all that sort of thing. A lot of stuff made in those days. Mm, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff, all live, of course. And that was another thing, when I was playing Pip, I was carrying a, 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 a classical, a classic afternoon serial um, that was going out live. You know, I got a countdown in the studio, you know, two minutes to five or something, waiting to go on. And bang, there I am, you know, nearly about 12 years old or 12 and a half years old with a, a, a classic serial carrying... It's been made to fairly stern stuff. Well, I didn't think about it, I just did it, you know. I, now I get nervous. <laughs> <laughs> and was it in your background? Were you <clears throat> folks in the business? No, no. The, the only... Connection with the business uh, that my dad, uh, when he when he came out uh, at the end of the war, uh, he was uh, during the war he was in the Royal Navy. He was a, a, an aircraft mechanic, and when he came out, he continued sort of being a mechanic. But he worked for um, the, all the government offices, uh, mending uh, the lifts when they broke down in, in the government buildings. And the only connection to the theatre was that uh, a mate of his said, "Oh." Um, they're looking for people down at the Garrick Theatre, scene shifting, um, you know, two two times a week, um, and they pay ten shillings an hour or whatever whatever the money was. Was that, my dad thought, blimey, that sounds a bit. I have some of that, and um, and that's how he started. He then you know used to creep out his work hat on it and creep across the road because the office that he was working in was right opposite the Garrick, and um, the where the office where they picked up the jobs for doing the lifts around the government buildings. And so he used to put a cap on and just creep over and, and do a bit of seat shifting in, in, in the matter after the show, you know, when, when the get outs and get ins. That was that's the only connection. But then he then joined uh, Associated with Diffusion, uh, which then became London Weekend Television, then, uh, then the South Bank, the theatre, uh, the television centre on the South Bank there, and he became um, uh, head of uh, scenery there. 
And so when you 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 you've been acting for a long time when when Doctor Who mm. came along, and I guess at the time it was just another job. Did you yeah. have to audition for that, or did Graham just yes. come to you? No, I did audition, um, but I, I I rang Graham, and we always we've always kept in touch. <clears throat> And I rang Graham and um, I said, yeah, what are you doing? He said, oh, well, I'm, I'm directing Doctor Who. Oh, I said, great, anything in it for me? He said, no, I don't think so. And, um, but then um, he phoned back, he said, yeah, I think there's a part for you. He said, would you like to play the mutant? I said, I'm a, I'll do it, mate. Yes, please, I'd love to. And then he came back again, he said, no, we're not, uh, we've offered that to Alain Olivier. He said, uh, <laughs> we're, um, we're, we've decided to give you the part of Lilt, which is totally tropical in those days anyway. So, uh, and that's how it started, yeah, yeah. And you performed quite a nice double act with uh, Trevor Cooper. Yeah, Trevor. Were, were they lovers? Well, well, I don't know, what, Lilton Tarkis? Yeah. I don't know, I don't know. Because he does I'm a very sure. camp bit with a he flower. He does, with a flower. You know, I, yes, I did clock that first one. I thought, oh, what have I got myself into here, love? <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, possibly, I mean, yeah. yeah. And it's got some grim stuff. There's a, cause it's, <clears> it's quite a grim story. There's a bit when... Um, uh, the two young characters come out yeah. and you catch them and you go, oh, I've got a marker. <laughs> for, for, there's no plot reason that at all. It's just like, no. yeah, I, I, I need to put a scar on this woman's yeah. face. Yeah. Pretty grim stuff. It was grim stuff, wasn't it? Yeah. And it was around the time that Michael Grade was saying that Doctor Who was getting violent and unsuitable. So did <laughs> yes. he have a point? Oh, yeah, he may, he may have done in that particular episode, yes. Yeah. Yeah, but the uh, the um, lad who played... Um, Oh my goodness me! Um, Stephen Flynn. Steve, yeah, yeah, Stevie Stevie Flynn died, of course. I think yeah, uh, um, a brain tumor. Oh, about six or seven years ago. Now. Young boy, young lad, nice looking lad, and a very very good actor. Yeah. And, uh, wow, it just went. That's unbelievable. Yeah, very sad. And it's a, I mean, it's a good cast, top to bottom, isn't it? I mean, you, you don't have to work with some good actors when you do Doctor Who. You do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you get to, and the good thing is, even if you're not in scenes with them, you those days you got to meet them because I guess you you know you rehearse all week. That's right. Yeah. Whereas now, of course, you don't do it so much. You know, uh, because they just shoot your scenes, and um, if the doctor or the companion, whoever, not involved in your scenes, then you don't see them. Yeah. But at least with when in the old days when we rehearsed at uh, the Acton Hilton, as it was called, um, the rehearsal rooms, um, everyone we met, everybody sat down and had coffee and. Did a read through and then all worked together on it. You know. And when you're rehearsing with the guys that play the Daleks, do they do they stick their arms out? <laughs> no, no, they didn't. They were just half a Dalek, right? And they used to sit on it, sit a little sort of seat, um, and they used to scoot with their feet and just and that was all it was. And they didn't do it. They didn't do it sort of walk up and all that. <laughs> I'd just I'd just be tempted to do it. You know? Yeah, yeah. You with his lightsaber when he said he kept going zoo, zoo, when he was doing the fight scenes. Uh, but they were great fun. And, uh, uh, was, uh, Terry Malloy was a nice man. I mean, yeah. Terry playing Davros. And um, we, were, we, were, we were on set, I think it was, and uh, um, just starting the day's filming. And um, he, came, he came out. I walked onto the, onto the stage, so the, 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 the uh, television stage, and, uh, and he came out of makeup and he said to me, Oh, he said, Have I got a head on me? <laughs> <laughs> the Davros thing. It was terrific. Yeah, good man. Very good, very good. And how's Colin? Lovely. I like Colin. I was in uh, Atlanta with Colin about uh, about three or four weeks ago, and nice, nice man. Do like Colin. And when and when you were doing it, was it a thing that people noticed you were in and doing? You know, was it? Or, you know, did 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 sort of people start looking at you differently because you were a Doctor Who? I don't know. I mean, I it, it, it was starting to get popular again um, because what was this? Colin was the sixth Doctor. He was, it? Six. Yeah. <clears throat> and. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, but what are you doing? I feel a Doctor Who. Oh, great. You know, I wish I could get, you get into that. Who's casting that? You know, so it was a bit, it, it did create a bit of interest, I think. And of course, then when you came back to it, it was uh, there was no bigger show on television. Well, that's you, right. You sort of that period that you were you were in it um, with the with the Cybermen. It's I mean, Doctor Who had taken over the world. Absolutely, it? absolutely. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, uh, and. Um, so you do the two classic villains because you get the, the first time the Cybermen were back. That's right. First time they bought well, for, for first time they bought the um, Daleks back, and then 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 bought the Cybermen back. Yeah, I was involved with both of those. The iconic, the most iconic of, yeah. uh, of the Docs, Emmanys, <laughs> and you were also involved <clears throat> very closely with what I have to say is quite a curious performance from Roger Lloyd Pack. Yes. Did he give you an inkling as to what he was thinking he was doing? Doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, not really, because, because it's one of those... This is the, 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 the thing that people say to me, you know, what's it like? What was it like when you first did it, you know, 500 years ago? And then do it, then, then, then recently with David Tennant's, with David Tennant's um, reign as Doctor. Um, and the only thing that I always come up with is the amount of time that you get to, you, you get to rehearse and you get to know the people. Now, you've got to go up with a predetermined character. You've got to have a character in your mind. You don't have about two or three days in which to play around with a character and bounce off of Roger or, or bounce off of David. And, and it's So I didn't know. I, I'm sure he didn't know what I was thinking. I'm sure he didn't know what the hell I was going to do with Mr. Crane. Um, I wasn't sure myself for, you know, for a, a, a while. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so I didn't know. I had no idea what he was going to, how he was going to sort of portray Lumig. And uh, you, you get killed just before you swear. That was quite clever, wasn't yeah, it? it? Was yeah, <laughs> yes, that was quite clever. It was, uh, yeah, that was the uh, the harness, full harness, been thrown pulled back by two burly stage crew when the he grabbed me and then and I just they, they put this harness on me and I flew across the studio. Brilliant. Oh, so <laughs> a bit of a stunt. Yes, oh, I do my own stunts now, you know. <laughs> And so then you've sort of, as you say, you started to get involved in this this world of it. So when did you first have an inkling that, um, you know, there was there was mileage to be had in, in conventionings and that you actually enjoyed it because it's not everyone's cup of tea? No, absolutely right. Um, I, I got an email, it must be five years, six years ago, I can't remember exactly when, from uh, the Glasgow Doctor Who Appreciation Society, and um, this email came through, and it said, "Dear Mr. Spall, um, we would uh, love you to attend our uh, convention on whenever it was." Um, so I replied, and I, I, I and I said, "I'm very flattered, um, but are you sure that your fans will will know who I am?" And he said, I'm sure they will absolutely, definitely know who you are, Mr. Sport. So then I went and I thought, oh, this is good fun. That was nice, you know. And lots of people said, well, oh, oh, there's Colin Sport, there's Colin Sport. And I'm thinking, no, that's me they're talking about. That's <laughs> strange. Um, and, then it, and then I heard, of course, about the ones in America. And I thought, yeah, that, I've not been to America for ages. I wouldn't mind going to America. And then the American one sort of started popping up, you know. And I met lovely people, like your good self, Mr. Oh, Hey, Doug. And, um, uh, yeah, it's just gone on from there. It, it's great. Um, we've got a few lined up after the, the cruise um, um, in Florida. And then um, from Florida, I think, we possibly move on to uh, Long Island, New York, which will be a nice one. And then 
home for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and the only one I've got lined up for next year, I think, is um, Alabama, um, which is... Um, um, and what do the family make of it? <laughs> weird. Um, uh, I don't really know. I mean, my wife is coming with me to uh, the next one, which is uh, Generations in um, Swansea. And I uh, said, so we went, oh, yeah, she's, that'd be nice. So uh, I said, oh, you'll have a lovely time at a pool in the hotel, because my, my wife likes swimming. Um, and then she said, where are you off to next? I said, Miami. She said, and you're taking me to, <laughs> to Wales. Yeah, God bless you. Yeah, I was going to say, I met you in Florida, <coughs> been to Chicago, and you take your wife to Swansea. Yeah. Ah, good for you. <laughs> Okay, well, away away from Doctor. I mean, yep. in a in a you know in a career that's, God, fifty plus years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and you, uh, I noticed that you, um, when you were chatting with Fraser yesterday, you and he go back to the we days did. when you were both kids. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 go about fifty years. Yeah, that's a, that's a long time to know someone. It is. Yeah, yeah. And and, um, so aside from you know the stuff that we know like the who's you were the first noddy weren't you on was on telly no it wasn't it was West End West End yes my first it, it, in fact I wasn't the first noddy there was there used to be a production of Noddy in Toyland put on in the West End um, for about uh, four weeks over the Christmas period um, and it was cast entirely from the kids at the Italia Conti Stage School and um, I got cast as Noddy, you know, so I, I played the West End, <laughs> um, which was hysterical. Um, uh, yep, yep, uh, yeah, great fun. Graham Harper was in it, actually, playing a character called Moonface. So don't <laughs> tell him I've told you. <laughs> Sorry, we'll only put this on the World Wide Web. Yes, I'll never find it. it then, that's... <laughs> uh, and, um, and what what have been um, some of your, your job highlights that... Oh, I, I think obviously the, the, the main one that always sticks in my mind, of course, is Great Expectations, first of all. But some great, uh, great times. I was the youngest member of the 1957 Old Vic Company, uh, playing uh, the boy parts in Shakespeare. Um, and what would you have done, do you think, if acting hadn't worked out? Oh, crikey. Do you know, I don't know. Um, I really don't know. Um, I would have just kept attempting to become an actor, I think. Um <laughs> Gigolo, maybe. Um, <laughs> international playbook. Yeah, that's international playbook. Apparently you need money to be an international playbook. Um, yeah. And none of, you, none of your kids have followed you in? No, not at all. No, no, no. No, my, my, my daughter had sort of kept saying to me, oh, I wouldn't mind doing voiceovers, Dad. But she never did anything about it. Um, I just wouldn't mind doing voiceovers. That was the, that was the yeah, extent of it. I, get, uh, I guess you get a, a lot of, because you've got this very rich voice. I, I, yeah. I've done a few, yeah. yeah. They're great fun. I narrate um, for uh, documentaries and things as well, which is, they're good fun. It's all part of the mosaic, yeah, isn't it? That we are living rich, rich tapestry of life. Indeed. Um, well, well, we've hit our 20 minutes, so oh, thank okay. you very much. It flies by, doesn't it? Um, so I just have the two questions that I always ask at the end. One is, yep. would you like to nominate a charity? I would indeed. Um, the charity that I would uh, like to nominate... Um, is and it's gone right out of my mind. Um, it's it's not not cancer research, it's uh, kidney research because my lost my grandson uh, through kidney uh, failure and um, he died at nine years old, Oliver. Um, so yes, kidney research. And my wife runs charities and uh, the marathon for kidney research and. Uh, 
Yeah, that's my charity. That must have been hard. No parent should ever outlive a child. Should they? That must have I been know. Hard. Oh, yeah, dreadful, dreadful, dreadful. Lovely, well, lovely little lad. There we go. Do what we can for that then, please, listeners. That would be lovely. Yes, please. And uh, what is your message to those listeners in Doctor Who's 50th year? What is your message to the Doctor Who fans? Uh, don't give up on us. Keep listening. Keep backing us. Keep coming to the conventions. Because it wasn't for you, we would not be here. Thanks a lot. That's very true. And because of you, we're in a holiday in Liverpool. So thanks. It's a pleasure, <laughs> Tope. Thanks, Colin. That's great. Bless you. <clears throat> See Thanks to Colin, lovely fellow. Thanks to Erica Edgerton, who runs the convention we are at, who at the Hilborough. Uh, but I don't think Colin and I were cheating because we meet up quite often, so uh, I wasn't breaking my don't do it at conventions rule because uh, uh, I was just using proximity um, to get somebody that uh, I would have got anyway. Um, why am I justifying myself to you people? You haven't paid anything. Uh, anyway, <laughs> on that subject, Colin's charity is... Uh, kidney research which is www.kidneyresearchuk.org kidneyresearchuk all one word all small case dot org if you could give to that and indeed any of our nominated charities uh, over the course of these podcasts I know that will be appreciated by the people who've given their time for nothing uh, who's the next one going to be? I don't know because I'm not doing trailers in January because I'm really busy so go away but I like you. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, The Fourth Doctor Adventures. Mannering Cavisham was, without doubt, the greatest lanternist of the Golden Age. He was also the only supernaturalist who was never exposed as a fraud or a trickster. Cavisham conjured forth the demon he claimed had been pursuing him for years. Not a trick, but an actual demon. Hello. I bet you're not expecting us. Are you members of the Cavisham Society? He is a shaman. A showman. A lanternist, I'd say, from this rather splendid equipment. Mr. Holman is the most respected and admired lanternist in the business. What the devil was that? The sound of death. Are you sure? What could have done this? Doctor, wait and listen. The glass is screaming. Doctor Who, the darkness of glass. Well, I'm afraid you're rather stuck with us. Big finish. We love stories. <laughs>